Welcome everybody back to the Game Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark. Um, today uh, we are uh, joined by just Tom. Um, you know, Jen, uh, you know, unable to make it uh, today, um, but she will be a part of what we're doing um, as this podcast is only one piece of our game of the year. Uh, I guess multimedia extravaganza. We're, uh, we're going all out this year, folks. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be. Um, you know, putting uh, our full list um, up on YouTube with videos and, and us talking over, giving the reasons why we picked the games. We did. Um, as I mentioned on, if you watch the stream on Thursday, uh, my goal for 2024 is to uh, lean a little bit more YouTube side, um, just because once April comes, it'll basically just be me, <laughs> um, uh, because we got a couple of little vultures coming. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, both of them around the same exact time. So, uh, you know, I think having time to, like, spread out the content a little bit. So um, this is our first step in towards that uh, beefing up the YouTube channel. Um, so this part of our game of the year, um, we're going to do our awards. Um, and then we'll do read our top three here. And then, um, and then you'll be directed to the video if you want to see where games that you didn't hear in our top three um, land it. All right, Tom. Uh, so without further ado, um, what have you been playing? And if it's nothing, I can go. <laughs> I have been playing Sea of Stars. Okay. Um, I was trying to get it done before Game of the Year stuff, but I'm I'm like two-thirds of the way there, I think. I'm like over 20 hours, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close. I'm close okay. enough to to put it in there and not have not okay. feel bad about it okay um without giving too much away yes where are you a castle like, with gears okay. you're yeah yeah so you got <laughs> something good coming up so okay. yes yeah i just had a mini boss fight um which i was very afraid of <laughs> i didn't think i was going to be i didn't think i, I was going to do well but i've managed to find most of the hidden uh equipment so i haven't had too hard a time yes um with damage output or or having the right gear luckily uh i just got a new character not that long ago which is interesting uh he hopefully it's not spoiling by saying i I, he but i don't even know i don't know at this point if it's a he or you don't know yeah so um it's nice to have an the I you know when I first started the game I didn't think you were getting any more I thought it was just the three people from the start I didn't think you were going to get any more characters so the fact that you have a party of five now with po- a possibility of more mm-hmm. um, is really really nice I I wasn't expecting that it was a, it was a pleasant surprise I, and if I'm thinking about it right I'm thinking you're probably going to get another one because the way it's lined up in the menu there's six spots. So yep. I'm guessing you're getting another one at some point. Yeah, they kind of uh, they kind of telegraph that, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I all, but... all games do that. Um, I think the only one that didn't was Final Fantasy VI because who would have known that there were 13 party members in that game? <laughs> um, or or Suikoden, where there's a hundred and ten or whatever it is. Yeah, but, uh, um, but yeah. So so how are you liking the combat? I love the combat. The combat is what's keeping me really interested. Yeah. Um, I, I'm managing to find, you know, ultimate attacks and basically like a limit break. I'm guessing because it's not, it's not necessarily a combo attack, but it's it's for a specific person, which is 
it's really cool. I, I I like that there's more to it than just you know one or two combos. I like that everybody has their own ultimate attacks and their own uh, damage outputs. Uh, the the one thing I was a little upset about was that the the new person that I just got when yeah. they give them to you they're almost useless <laughs> because the <laughs> the uh, damage output they have the the element that they have it's it's uh, every enemy you go against right after that is immune to it so it's like all right well I just got this new person but I can't use them so I gotta wait so. I kept going with my the the same party I'd been going with, but um, but yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. The music is still so goddamn good. I can't I can't stress enough how good the music is in this game. Uh, and I want to do so something that I've not been able to do, and I don't know if it's because of where I am in the story or whatever. I haven't been able to explore as much as I want to. There's islands that you haven't gone to yet. I imagine you'll get to go to them, but I kind of, since I have the ship, I want to go to them now, but you can't do anything at them. So I guess it's their way of, of keeping you from going into a place you're not supposed to be, but um, that's the only that's the only downside right now that I can think of in that game. Aside so, from uh, the, 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 after the twist, the story is going in a very strict dir- direction, and I'm not like thrilled with where it's going. Yeah, it's 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 well done. You 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 got a little bit more story left, um, so we'll see what you think of it when it occurs. Um, and you, your your instincts are right about why you can't go to those places yet. Um, yeah, I figure. I mean, yeah. that's that's a normal that's a normal RPG thing. Yeah, as soon as it, you get why you can't, uh, like you get the thing, you know, that allows you to fi- that finally opens up those things. You'll be like, oh, okay. And then it yeah. does one of those things where it's like right at the very end, the whole world's open to you. Um, you know, we're not um, spoiling. I'm not spoiling anything for Tom. He's played JRPGs for it's, it, yeah. <laughs> more it's than every, two decades. It's every JRPG um, I've ever played. The, eventually, everything opens up and you can go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you're still enjoying it. Um, it, it, it. I knew you would as soon as I played it. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where it falls um, on your list. So, um, anything else? Uh, I other than that, I've just been messing around with my retro handheld that I got, just trying to get it all set up the way I want. Yeah, uh, it's these things. I feel like I have more fun tinkering with them than playing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's been nice getting all the emulators set up the way I want to. And uh, I, I don't know if I said it on here, but yeah, Jonathan was right. These are the <laughs> things that are dri- These are the things that are driving handheld gaming right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, 100% uh, from what you were telling me um, about it. But yeah, the the aspect of retro stuff, um, you know, it, it, it very much seems like uh, they know what the market is and the age group. Um, so it's not like some of these things aren't, um, correct me if I'm wrong, like plug and play. Like you do have to do a little work to get it done. Yeah, there, there's ones that are that are more user-friendly, but the one I got specifically... You have to do a bit of setup just because it's of the way it's the way it is. It just yeah. it the the operating system that's on it. It just that's that's the nature of the beast with that one. Some come a bit more set up, but I wanted the one that I could mess around with. Yeah. So I am I'm glad that your our podcast led you to get something that you were really enjoying, <laughs> like a, a topic that came out of nowhere. 
Yeah, Ow. it's uh, it's good. I'm glad yeah. this is why I love this podcast because <laughs> stuff like this happens all the time. Um, as for me, um, if you were watching the stream, I did finish Super Mario RPG, um, and I was way over leveled. I might jump back in. We might have a special bonus episode uh, to where I go find uh, fight uh, Colix. I think it's how you say it. I can never um, remember his name. Um, the Final that. Fantasy type boss um, that's in there. Um, I, I forgot how to unlock them, so I just skipped them in the main playthrough, to be honest. Um, so I'm going to go back and probably do that. Uh, but we were way over-leveled uh, by the end. And I basically, as I mentioned on the stream, I basically beat the final boss without using one spell. Um, it was all attacks. Um, the only spell I used was I boosted Mario's power um, with Geno Boost um, so that he could hit harder. And I had, a, I had a strategy that as soon as we got down, because it's two forms for a boss, it's an RPG. So you get to the second form. I hit it with the new combo thing um, for the high damage thing that that was like 200 per hit. Then I hit it with the, the two rock candies that I had, which is a thing that guarantees 300 damage on everything on screen. And then I hit it with, um, I think it was Ice Bomb, which is 200. And then I just started attacking it. <laughs> and, <laughs> And it was just, I barely, I didn't even die um, or come close to dying. It's, it's my second favorite uh, final boss ever, outside of what I kept repeating, was I really wish I had it on video with Crisis Core, with the final boss of the, of the battle, saying fight commenced, or, or fights, whatever, battle started, whatever, how it opens. And then I hit one button, and then it went battle ended, or whatever the thing is. <laughs> like, it was like... Five seconds at most that that fight lasted. Um, because obviously the characters are based on if you went through a normal run of the game and didn't did, and didn't finish the... I got, all, I got 99 of the 100 levels on the side quest. Um, I didn't beat the final boss, which is God, basically, um, in Crisis Core. Um, yeah, I did. That was the one. That was the one boss I did not do either. Yeah. But yeah, so, I broke. I did the thing where you break the game. Yeah. Yeah, we both Core. broke the game. Um, so, so this was my second favorite final boss, um, and sort of just being very relaxed, um, while playing it. Uh, so I, I finished that up, um, and then, um, I played, uh, the first hour or so of Far Cry 6. It's a Far Cry game. Um, do that, you will. It was a nice, I was, I was off for nine days, um, and after beating, um, you know, we'll get to it in a second for my last one. Um, after beating the uh, New Game Plus uh, update to Alan Wake 2, um, I basically had nothing really to play. <laughs> um, I, I had beaten everything that came out, and I want to do Final Fantasy 16's DLC for the stream. Um, so that's why I haven't touched that yet. Um, now, but, have you played a Far Cry game since? Yeah, I, I, I played a little bit. Of, like, I played, I dabbled. Um, because they, they it kind of they all come out for me right around when something else comes out, which is going to happen with this game, by the way. Oh um, yeah, they, they always come out at the yeah. worst time. Those and I I games. always start playing them at the worst times. Like I got three games coming up in the next month that, um, you know, Last of Us Remastered Part Two is actually next week or this week when this podcast drops. I thought it was um, on Friday before the. Uh, the podcast, but it was not. It was the 19th, not the 12th. Um, then we have uh, Persona 3 Reloaded. It's February 2nd. And then, obviously, 
the one at the end of February. The big one. Uh, the big one that we're all looking forward to. Um, there were probably obviously Destiny Two, obviously, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> um, or the Starfield update. Um, Starfield update. Yeah, there's probably games sprinkled in there that I missed, but I wanted to at least touch this game because it it was it was on Game Pass. Um, so I was like, yeah, hey, let me give it a shot. And then there's a couple. Um, I'm probably gonna touch the Yakuza, um, the Kiryu game, the Man Without a Name or whatever. Um, probably gonna touch that. Um, but yeah, Game Pass gave me a couple options to sort of fill the gap until until Persona um, comes out. Uh, but I, I did enjoy Far Cry. is like a brainless game, essentially. Um, just shut your brain off, do the objectives. Oh yeah, just go, go to this point, shoot <laughs> yeah. stuff, keep yeah. going. Yeah. So it was nice to do that. I downloaded Lies of P. I have not started that, but I probably will. Um, but and then the um, and the big thing I set up the Tom. I purchased a uh, smaller. Basically, a, a, a emulator uh, computer um, from him. We're we're still trying to um, get you know 360 and PS3 games working on it. Um, but the uh, well, what's it called um, the I got every other emulator working, and boy, did I have some fun playing the one game that I always seem to boot up when I get this Road Rash. <laughs> I played two hours of Road Rash That's awesome. on a giant 55-inch television. Which version of Road Rash did you play more? Uh, the Sega Genesis okay. one, Good the choice. original. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah, it was the one I had. Um, um, and I always play the first one because it's the one I remember, um, even though I think 3 might be the best of them. Um, Road Rash 3 is really good, and the 3DO version is yeah, but, but yeah, I, it, I, the first one is is up there for me. Yeah, it's the sure. one I remember. You know, it's it's like I play, even though it sucks. Anytime I get like a, a PlayStation One emulator, for some reason I boot up Jet Moto for unknown reasons. I don't know why. <laughs> um, even though Jet Moto is the, by far the worst Jet Moto of the, I think they released three um, on there. But yeah, so I played Road Rash. Um, uh, what did I play on? I loaded up um, and made sure that um, I, I got the uh, Saturn. I got I got an NHL game working on Saturn or PlayStation, one or the other, because um, I had Duck Station, um, and it was it was it was very interesting to see all the bells and whistles around the game, and then you go into the game and it's like 1997 graphics. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like, and if, for those of you who don't know, NHL '97. Um, opens with uh, former broadcast, um, now general manager, president, whatever, John Davidson, um, doing an introduction, and it's the most generic introduction. Like this team will play hard tonight. Um, <laughs> like sort of, it's it, Tom. I'm not kidding. It's, it's no, I believe, very close I to what it. I'm saying. <laughs> if this um, team scores the most goals, they'll win. Exactly, stuff like that. <laughs> and it's very, it's FMV live action, and it cuts, and the graphics are just. Oh my, like, is that a puck? Um, the, you know, the, the good thing with Duck Station is that yeah. you can upscale that sucker to yeah. infinity, I, and it'll look so much better. Oh, it looks ten times better than probably playing it on the actual PS One, but it's still because of that you're also upscaling the FMV. Oh, so, the FMV is the worst part. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the contrast is still there. It's just yeah. better looking contrast. Yeah. Um, so I played through that. Um, I got the Saturn one loaded. Um, and you know, I got everything basically except for the like PS3, Xbox 360, which may be a hardware issue, but I'm going to try some things. Um, but the biggest thing I did, um, since we last recorded, 
was Alan Wake uh, put out a new game plus with basically it was a DLC for free because there was uh, it basically continued the story, but you played through the game again. Um, so I've technically beaten Alan Wake two twice here, um, and it gives you it, it gives you the final ending um, of the game, um, and it's called you know they called it the final draft, obviously, mm. you know, being a writer. And that game, we'll get to it later in the podcast. Um, but the way this is the first time I've ever played a new game plus, Tom. To be honest, um, yeah, I'm not a huge new game plus person. I once I get through a game, I'm done. I yeah. usually don't want to touch it. And I, it was a mixture of why I don't like new game pluses and uh, the most amazing thing I've seen a game do. Um, it literally, because of all the concepts in the game, what they do in this, um, fits right in, feels brand new. I'm running through all the action stuff just to get to the story stuff, um, to see what they changed. Um, and they give closure on an ending and all that. And it's, it's just really well done. Um, so I've got upwards of 40 hours now between the two playthroughs and I can't wait for the two DLCs. Um, that'll expand on what, what happened and probably lead into Control 2. Um, so yeah, Alan Wake is very, very, very good game. Um, you might hear a lot about it later in the podcast. Um, but yeah, yeah, just looking forward to a bunch of games there and setting up that retro thing and my new TV and I'm, I'm all set up and good here. Um, but uh, one thing that I've never had to worry about, but maybe a boon... Um, to other people as we move on to the one news story we're going to do, Tom. Um, rumors abound that Microsoft may put some of their uh, Xbox exclusive games onto PlayStation, Switch, and other systems. Um, my first question to you before I, I dig into the real reason I want to talk about this. What is your overall thought about this? I, my thought is, why did it take so long for this to happen? Honestly. If, yeah. if X, I mean, Xbox... They're more focused on things like Game Pass and cloud gaming, and they want to put Game Pass on whatever they can. So it does not surprise me that they want to put their games on other platforms because they're just leaving money on the table, uh, especially w- since we're acquiring Bethesda and acquiring uh, who else is all all of, all of their recent acquisitions. Why would you not want to get the money out of those games from? everywhere you can get it i mean they they are already selling hardware to loss so at that point why bother why why bother try killing yourself trying to you know sell that hardware when you can sell the software everywhere yeah it's it's something that i think in the new age of of technology here that the um i think near the end of every console cycle they should start doing this on both sides just like, eh, what the hell? Let's 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 get a few more money out of these games that we're definitely not going to convince anybody to buy our system at this point. Um, you know, been out for three, four years. Um, you know, uh, with these games in particular, um, why not just make a little extra money? You know, seventy um, percent is still something. Um, yeah, like I, I said, I, I I cannot believe it has taken this long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get the market. You know, thing you want to do to be exclusive, but after a while, it should do there. But the game I heard made the absolute most sense, and I don't know why they didn't just do it from the beginning. But the main catalyst seems to be Sea of Thieves. Is yeah, that's a, yeah. a rare game that 
everybody wants to play that's only on Xbox? Yeah. Throw it yeah. out there. Yeah, cross cross, you know, have everybody be able to play with each other on every system. Have it be your, have it be Minecraft, essentially. It's a game that is screaming to be Minecraft. Yep. Um in, in terms of, of, of cross compatibility. Um but yeah, I mean I'm not saying like Halo needs to end up on PlayStation, but there are there are certain games that, you know, need to, you know, get freshened up by going over um to even if it's just the Switch, you know, like just to get a little more sales and maybe maybe you convince somebody to buy the next Xbox. I mean, honestly, I think that this was kind of put, it kind of happened because of the show coming to all platforms. Yeah. They probably saw, wow, everybody's buying this on every platform. Why would we not want to make that money on our software? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if we can do a see of these. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I think the, uh, you know, Phil Spencer had the quote that, you know, doing this for everything would give Sony 30% of the sales to do things to eliminate Microsoft or or Xbox. And I'm like, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I understand what you're saying, Phil. And it also sucks that they're getting beat like three to one uh, um, in the last year and a half for hardware sales. I mean, Um, so they they have to do something. There's Um, (laughs) the Xbox one set them back so far that they have to do whatever they can at this. Can, can I, and the main reason why I want to bring this is because I want to posit this question to you before we go on to our list. Was the Xbox 360 just a blip in the road and Xbox is never going to get back to that level? Honestly, at this point, I don't see it coming back. Yeah. Unless Sony does something so stupid like yeah. like they did with the PS3. Yeah. I can't see, um, I can't see Xbox ever being number one again. Yeah. Because if you think about it, it's one of those things where um, everybody yells about it being a competition. And when you look at it, Sony won PS1, Sony won PS2. They lost PS3 because, as you said, they fucked up. And then they won PS4 and they won PS5. Like, that's in statistics, that's a trend, you know? And Switch is even, I think, partially kicking their ass right now. Um, Switch is kicking everybody's ass. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and then. I'll say this one thing before we go. Um, I think it's great what they're doing because it'll open up games for more people to play. And that's been my caveat. I think all games should be on all systems, um, you know, uh, because it, it shutting out people from great experiences is something I don't really like. Um, but I have a feeling because um, we kind of talked about Switch 2 previously and stuff like that. Some of this I've been reading, it makes me nervous that Nintendo's going to fuck up <laughs> on the next system. And they're 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 gonna go they're not gonna go far enough and they're gonna lose all their momentum. Kind of like with the Wii U. Like it needs to be whole new hardware in there. It, it can be the same design of handheld TV, which I think they should never go away from. But they can't just give you a better screen, you know, maybe go to a PS three or four level, you know, processor and then go, hey, five hundred dollars. You know? Yep. And just the stuff that's been rumored with that, I'm getting a little worried that they're going to try to do the do the Wii U thing again. Like they haven't learned their lesson. Um, like I'm not expecting it to be PS5, Xbox One in terms of power, but at least double what you got with Switch. Yeah, just give us a 4K output. Yeah, that's all we want. Yeah, and a faster it. processor. Yeah, so you can run 60 frames for people that actually care about that. I played Alan Wake 2 in perform in that quality mode. <laughs> 
That's fine. Um, You're allowed to do it, Mark. <laughs> I'm the only. I think. I think I. I took. I think I took Jen to the dark side with FPS, but other than that, I think you're. I think you're fine. I don't think it's yeah, a big. Yeah. I I'll say one theory. Um, I think the reason is because I played my favorite game and I played a lot of it. It's linked to the past, and that game's got hella slowdown in it, and it doesn't really bother me. Um, uh, and I think me growing up as a gamer playing that game and just being used to it and not really being a fighting game or first person shooter guy um made made me not even notice that stuff um oh, not I think, saying that's good I or think, bad but i think that's why it's such a big deal to me is because i got into first person shooters yeah. in Reason. the 360 era yeah but and yeah. i just want give me all the fps all of yeah. it yeah so final wrap up here uh, sea of thieves should be on everything you know i there's a couple other games um you know, Microsoft, I think Hi-Fi Rush should be on everything. I think it's going to, it might end up doing that. You know, stuff like that should should spread out. Um, and I hope this just means that, you know, uh, the 1% chance on the completely negative scale is this is like the beginning of the end of no more hardware from, from Microsoft. Um, you, you worry about them starting to lean the Sega route. Um, yeah, it, this it, generation. It, it, it kind of feels that way. It kind of feels Sega-ish. Yeah. Like after the Dreamcast, but yeah, yeah honestly, but we'll see. yeah. I if this is gonna sound bad, but if if a new Xbox didn't come out, I don't know that I'd be that upset. Yeah, and they they can make legacy system like it. It's fine, but um, this is just news that popped out of there that might not seem like much to most people, but those that's been around a while, you know, you kind of hope you're not reading the wrong tea leaves. Yeah, um, I'm, ho- I'm hoping I'm not reading into it too far, but... Yeah, exactly. All right, so on to happier, better news. Yeah. Sorry to, to drown you down. That news came a few days ago, so I wanted to hear Tom's opinion on it. Um, welcome to the first part of our Game of the Year um, for the Game Ball Pod. Um, normally, we record this in December, but obviously holidays and, you know, um, gotten away this year, and... Uh, you, you know, know, people so, having babies and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah so got a little <laughs> later this year. I noticed we did it on like the 16th of December last year when I was researching for the first award um, that we're going to do. Um, but yeah, glad to have it here. And like I said, it's going to be multimedia this year instead of just on the podcast. So without further ado, Tom, let's uh, start with uh, what was your favorite game to play on Retro Roulette? My favorite Retro Roulette game. Now, I'm going to have to put some asterisks in here because. We played some Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah. So I didn't want them to automatically win. So I kind of am not counting them. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, my game of the year for Retro Roulette is Super Metroid. Nice. Uh, it For the mere fact that I played it and I could not believe I had not played it before that. <laughs> this was my first experience with Super Metroid. It was my first experience. Well... My first experience with Metroid was the original that we played for Retro Roulette last year, I think. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got my feet wet there. And, you know, I've never been a Metroid guy for, for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because I, I didn't have the system where it was the most popular. I never had a Super Nintendo until, yeah. you know, and being an adult. So I didn't have a drive to play it. But now that I've played it, man, I can't, I'm upset that I've waited till now to play it between the graphics and the and the tight gameplay 
Uh, I think I joked when we talked about it on the that episode. Uh, it was it was some of the best play control that I've I've had in a long time because that's what that's what magazines used to call. Yeah. Like if it felt good, it was good game control. So that's I I, I felt like bringing that back. Um, and it it's a gorgeous game for the Super Nintendo. I don't know that it gets they look much better than that. Yeah. I uh, I adore Super Metroid. Um, played it a whole bunch. Um, not very good at it, but I did beat it once. Um, back when it was one of the few games I had. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's very very well done. It's probably arguably you could um, if anybody has played it, um, you could put it in a top fifty of all time without question um, on most list. Uh, just the it's it's the start of a genre essentially in terms of popularity of that genre. Um, uh, and yeah, it's very, very, very fun. And I'm glad that we, I, you got to experience it um, yep. for the first and time. I, I will mention that this was Jen's retro roulette game of the year as well. Yeah. And we were both on the same wave, same wavelength, same thought. Can't yeah. believe it's been this, it took us this long to play it. Yeah. So um, I looked through and all the games that I had never played before, um, on the podcast, um, were uh, games that weren't very good <laughs> that we did, <laughs> um, with the exception of I didn't know where Top Gear fell, um, because that's a game I never played before and I had a ton of fun. We'll get to that later um, with it. Um, but I'm going to pick one that I played but hadn't played in a long time just because it was uh, stuck on a system that I didn't realize you could emulate for a long time and then never really thought to play the emulation. Um, uh, Super Mario Land. Um, oh, okay. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I really like that. Um, it's very basic. It brought me back to playing in the backseat of a car. Um, you know, I had that and play action football, which was just essentially dots running around on a football field. Um, and those, I played those two games to death. Um, because those are the only two I had until, um, fun story. I know we go off on tangents all the time here, but, uh, my uncle used to work cleaning like the airplanes, uh, you know, uh, after at the, at the Philadelphia international airport. Um, and he found somebody had lost the copy of burger time for the game boy. Um, and he had no idea what game boy was or anything. He was like, I think you like this thing. And he added it to me. So that became my third game. Um, so I played a whole lot of burger time, but, um, yeah, Super Mario Land is fun. Um, I think I played a lot more of Six Golden Coins, um, the second one, um, yeah. than this. And the one fun, this game makes no sense um, in terms of it's like a, all the different lands you go to. Um, oh yeah, it, yeah. it's it's a it's a fever dream for sure. Yeah, um, and the and the, uh, the the bouncy ball as a as a weapon is is kind of crazy. I love that they brought it back for, I believe, Mario Maker 2. Um, it was one of the things, one of the power-ups you could give um, for it. But, yeah, it's a weird and wild game. Very simple. I love the idea of needing to ring the bell to get the, the special screen. Um, even for me, someone that's terrible at platformers, I had, like, 28 lives at one point, I think, on stream. Um, because you keep getting that special thing, and I could line up those ladders to get five ups every time. Um, yeah, Super Mario Land's really great. Um, I, I think a, uh, honorable mention for me, just because of, uh, the stuff surrounding it was, I had a good time with Dr. Mario week. <laughs> Dr. Mario week was fun. 
Um, just Mary between extra extra life and you know us annoying the shit out of our chat um, <laughs> with the music, uh, the, your frustration by the end of slow um, disintegration <laughs> while playing it um, because the game just just gets more and more insane as you go higher level. Um, that was a fun week. That's an honorable mention for that. But if we're strictly talking games, um, Super Mario Land for me. All right. Um, our second category, because um, I think the uh, final two um, uh, should kind of be, I think if I remember correctly, I know we have moment and character left. What was the fourth one? You... Game of the year. Oh, and game of the year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so we'll go. I thought we had a fourth category. Maybe it was just three. We do have four um, categories. It's retro roulette, game of the year, I... uh, moment, and our... Uh... Well, we did. We used to have another one, but I don't. Yeah. It was no. best game that we didn't. That wasn't from this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can drop that because that. Yeah, that probably be the same game we play all the time. But um, yeah. So let's go. Let's go to best character. Okay. Um. So I'll go first with this one. Um. I thought about this a lot. Um. Alan Wake had a strong contender at the end. Um. Uh. But yeah, I I got to really go with someone a little off the board from what we're talking about. I really love the uh, performance of Carlac in, in Baldur's Gate 3. I okay. think the idea of, and obviously History of Me and Lee's podcast, the whole step on me, hit me with a shovel sort of bit <laughs> that I run. Um, she's a muscle mommy. Um, but just the way that the reason I picked her, I could pick just about anybody in Baldur's Gate 3. I think those, um, you know, your, your close seconds, you know, are, um, you know, peppermint and stuff like that. But Baldur's Gate 3's characters felt so realistic, um, and they didn't do tropes um, with most of them. Um, Asterion sort of leans into vampire stuff some a lot, but he is a vampire spawn. Uh, but Karlak being, you know, this badass, you know, tiefling uh, devil hunter um, that grew up on the first, you know, level of hell... Um, but she's the sweetest, most like person in the world, and you just you just fall in love with her immediately. Um, and you know, you she has a you know tragic story and all in there. But just that just that performance is is so fantastic. Um, it doesn't you know it doesn't fall into many you know once you get to know her, it falls and doesn't fall into many tropes. Um, at first, she starts out as the angry you know, barbarian um, class thing. Uh, but as you talk to her more in camp, she becomes great. Um, yeah, and the one thing I found out why the Baldur's Gate characters um, seem so natural is because they essentially, like, had some lines, but a lot of it was just, like, they would put them in the booth and sort of, like, okay, you know the character, go. Like, you know, here's the situation, here's a few lines, you know, have a they conversation. They gave him some you know, free reign. Yeah. And, you know, and they listened to the voice actor say it. They were like, you know, and we didn't have much time to, like, do it again, do it again, do it again. So everything just came out, you know, first take, most first or second take most of the time, you know. And then that's why a lot of these, um, you know, they felt unique and weird and not stilted. And I think it's real accomplishment for, for that type of game. Uh, so, Tom, who do you got? I'm going to go with Sid from Final Fantasy 16. Um, 
he was a breath of fresh air in that game. I thought we were just going to have a brooding, like, un unfunny, un you know, unimaginative game from the beginning. Then you meet Sid, and the whole game changes. Uh, he provides a he's a great foil to Clive, uh, especially in the, in that beginning of the game when you're you know all you want to do is kill this kill this person that killed your brother. Uh, he definitely gives a little uh, a little light to the game. And honestly, I think he may be my favorite Sid. It's it's hard because Sid from Final Fantasy VII is one well, of my favorite characters of all time. Well, until February 29th. Until February 29th when new Sid comes up. <laughs> Sid, Sid Prime shows new up. New old Sid. <laughs> we'll see. If they don't make him a smoker, I'm going to be very upset. But that's that's a whole other... That's a well, whole they won't. But, I, I, mean, I know they won't, but I'm still going to be upset about it. <laughs> I mean, they smoke in Yakuza. I was going to say... You know, because smoking is still very much a Japanese culture. So maybe, maybe, um, yeah, maybe, it'll, maybe, it'll, maybe it'll start smoking and then it's a you know, for some for reason he stops. You it's know? a T for teen game. So I, I seriously okay. doubt that they yeah. will. Uh... He will definitely have a toothpick. I will 100% guarantee you has a toothpick. Oh, yeah. Because he'll have a toothpick or a um, like a, a thing of straw or weed or something because in. Uh, what's it called? He has something in his mouth all the time. Yeah. In Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they'll so definitely do something with that. But they'll do something. But and... one of his limit breaks is literally lighting a piece of dynamite with a cigarette. So <laughs> I, I want, I want to see that. Yeah. So I agree with you. Sid is great. Um, I had two other characters from this game that I personally liked um, over Sid here, but he was definitely his characterization was much different than I was anticipating, just like you, um, going in and seeing it. Obviously, we all know that um, uh, I'm team mid, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but to be honest, my my runner-up character was Gav. Um, uh, that, only because I love that boy so much, and I was waiting for him to turn on me. What an and, interesting character, though. Like, yeah. Somebody you don't trust from the beginning. I don't, but, I don't think I ever trusted him until... The end. We were at the end. <laughs> yeah, because we played too many RPGs, Tom, um, and it just we couldn't. I couldn't believe he didn't turn on us. I was ready for my Shawn Michaels to Ric Flair moment. With <laughs> I'm sorry. I love down. you. Got to put him down. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, Sid. Very much. I I will make the statement playing through that game that if Sid wasn't Sid the way they did him, I don't think that game's as good because. I agree. Early on, I'm an, I was annoyed with Clive because it was very much the I think you should leave hot dog suit man <laughs> going, oh, we're trying to figure out who did this, you know, for the first eight hours of that game. Yeah. Um, and it was very frustrating. Like every sign when like, dude, it's you. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, um, and I don't class that as a spoiler. You play the first hour of that game. You yeah, figure you should, out that twist. You should, you should absolutely have figured that out by the time yeah. you get to like it's it's so much so that when you, they fi when they find out, I was like, yeah, okay. I was <laughs> yeah, like, they, they tried to make it this big twist or something that you didn't see it coming, but the, exactly, yeah. yeah the the other the other things that come with it are the real twist and the good story. Mm -hmm. Um, why there is a second you know, Icon of Fire. 
Um, that stuff's more, but that whole thing is struggling way too long. Um, but yeah, if Sid's not Sid, I don't think that game's as good because he carries the first half of the game. Um, in, 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 until, you know, uh, Clive finally has his realization. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good characters in that. Um, I can see why, you know, people may be turned off by, um, you know, voices or performances or stuff, but I think leaning more into the adult, um, end of, of storylines, they hit or missed with some characters. Um, but Sid was definitely a hit. Yeah. Sid, Um, I I was so upset once, I mean, they, I had a feeling Sid was going to die. Yeah. When, as soon as you met him and I, I was still upset when, when he died. I, yeah. Yeah. I was not thrilled with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, and before we run the next category, obviously had to shout out my girl, Peppermint. Yeah. I mean, between uh, Peppermint and, (laughs) um, what's her name? Corsica. Corsica. Both great characters. I will. Can I make a wild opinion? Um, obviously I can. I don't know why I said that. It's, it's um, our show. We can do it's our show. Want, I can Mark. do what I want. Um, I think the best character in Hi-Fi Rush is Cinnamon. Yeah, I mean, he's the comic <laughs> relief, but yeah, I mean, I, Cinnamon's I think great. He's the best character in that game. Um, just, just the stupid stuff. Um, and the the one moment you have with him is amazing. Um, uh, but we'll get to that also a little bit later. Um, so let's move on to um, best moment. And and Tom, I'll be honest, I want to talk about three different moments. Um, okay. I'll be quick about it. Um, I do have a ranking for them, okay. but um, I do want to talk about three. But that's why I let you go first. Um, no, what no, was no, your no. You, moment? I, I want I want you to go first because I want to okay. I want to try to play off of what what you've got. Okay. Do we want to alternate, or you just want me to go all three? Nope. Just go ahead. Okay. Um, so we'll start out. I'll start at number three. Um, is from Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and I hope it's not spoiling anything for you at this point, Tom. I apologize. Um, at this I'll point, be I, won't, I, I won't remember, probably. So okay. it doesn't matter. <laughs> and obviously, at this point, I will put spoilers all over everything. Um, you know, so people know coming in. Oh, um, yeah. This is going to be spoiler filled, yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put it in the, in this title and all that. Um, Number three is from Tears of the Kingdom, and it's um, when you find out who the story behind how to fix the Master Sword and who that dragon is flying in the sky. And it hits you very emotionally uh, because you go around, you collect all the memories, the little dragon tears, and you realize that Zelda had sacrificed herself uh, to help you be able to restore the Master Sword. And it is... One of the most emotional moments I've had in a Zelda game, because in the last two or three of the tiers, I started putting the pieces together of what exactly she did. Um, I thought I was thinking at first that she just sent the dragon back, like put the sword inside of a dragon and sent it back in time or forward in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they revealed what would happen when you do what she ended up doing um, with the magic. I put it together and it was really, really sad. And it was, it's probably the best part of that story. And it was my number one moment um, for a while. Um, didn't think I'd get um, to an emotional part um, uh, with that. Number two is uh, from Goodbye Volcano High. There is a scene during the Battle of the Bands um, where the lights go out and you step up as Fang and they do. Uh, there's one song that I think you've done a few times, like with the full band, but does a full acoustic 
um, which really, um, you know, enhances the, the, the song itself. And it was another emotional moment on stream just watching that because at that point in that game, and that game has its problems and pacing issues and a whole bunch of stuff um, with it. Um, still love it. But, you know, it was the perfect way of show, not tell. The, you know, Fang finally becoming what they wanted to be in terms of a rock star, essentially. And it was a culmination of it. And um, I'm going to look up as I'm talking the name of the, um, uh, the artist um, behind it. Uh, but yeah, she does a really awesome job um, with it. And it's a, it's the, her voice is by a Canadian musician called, uh, named Common Holly. Um, and yeah, does a really good job. I really want this soundtrack to be on vinyl. I don't know if it has been or not, but I'll purchase it immediately. But I thought that was going to be my moment of the year without question. Then I played Alan Wake 2. And there's an entire chapter of the game, which is just a musical. And yeah, it's the song cool. Howard of Darkness, which you can watch on YouTube. I sent the video to Jen and Tom. Um, and that's not even from the game that's just the music video version of it um and you i'm glad that i looked away when they performed it at the game awards um i'm glad you did too because it would have ruined it yeah and you drop in and the chapter does the control you know thing where flashes the name of the chapter or location on the screen and it just pops up we sing and i'm like oh no because I played Control, and there's that whole music video with Dr. Darling. Um, that is amazing. Um, and there's another thing in original Alan Wake that's also a musical thing. It seems to be a Sam Lake uh, thing to get, get music um, into the games. Control also has the ashtray maze, which is amazing. But this is just... it. Basically, what it does is it recaps Alan Wake 1 through music. And, that's amazing. And... You have to watch it with the lyrics to kind of understand what they're explaining to you, and you go through steps of the game. Um, and they do the whole thing where in the first game he's holding a a flower and a bottle of wine, and then it turns into a flashlight and a gun in the first game. Um, so that happens in this. Um, they have a little dance, which is amazing. Um, and then every time you think it's over, there's another part. And I believe it, with the combat and all, the full segment's like 20 minutes, but it, it is so much better than Ashtray Maze. And you could make an argument that it's not even the best musical moment in that game because there's a moment near the end of Saga's section that most gamers don't look up, as we know. Mm -hmm. um, there is a moment that if you look up at the uh, Dark Ocean summoning part, which is the, the very end of Saga's stuff, they take the old guys that are in the band that are playing on top of you know the van sort of because they find out that we're doing spoilers. They find out that art is the thing that allows the clicker to work and make things come true. So they're going to sing about Alan Wake, get the clicker, and Alan Wake's going to come back. Um, and if you look up in the sky while they're playing, it projects the younger versions of them across the sky playing the song. And it brings back their dead bandmate as well playing with them. And That's I'm crazy. just like, That's that is awesome. fucking cool. And it's, it is... I would, Tom, if you can watch someone play that section on YouTube, uh, because you probably won't really like the rest of the game at all. I'm not even a joke warning. They do jump no. scares for no reason. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure they do. 
but just this part, it's all combat, so there's not going to be any jump scares for you. It is amazing. The song's amazing. Um, but yeah, that that musical thing, the reason it wins over Dark Ocean Summoning is just because they they the telling of the story of the first game to help people understand because at this point you you're in Alan's world and you have no fucking idea what's going on if you've never played Control or Alan Wake. Um and this is just when they bring everybody in and now everybody knows what's, what what the stakes are and what's going on. And the the Finnish band, um I forget their real name. I think it's like something poets or something. Um uh, they're amazing. Um and then the final thing is just a jazzy number by the voice of Alan Wake. Um, <laughs> uh, just talking about you figuring out how to end the song. It's great. Moment of the year for me. Um, I'm going to watch the Game Awards performance because I have not watched it yet um, for that. But fucking Remedy, man. I, they, they are ridiculously good at what they do. And they are doing things that the Marvel Cinematic Universe wished it could do with connecting everything and they're doing it on probably a third of the budget. And I can't wait for control two uh, or Alan Wake three, whichever comes first. Um, they found a way to blend music so well into this game. E- at the end of every chapter is like the end of an episode of a TV show. It plays a song um, between chapters and it just mwah, <laughs> moment of the year. So what do you got? So my moment of the year isn't as exciting as you, but it it was something I wasn't expecting, and it was the end of the Final Fantasy 16 demo. I've never been pulled in by a game so quickly uh, that I needed to buy it immediately. I needed to I needed to continue playing it. I could not stop at that point. Um, they did a very good job of placing the end of that demo because it made me want to continue playing to find out what the hell was going to happen next and. Like, like I, uh, if you, if you watch our video, you'll, you'll hear, you know, I, it it grabbed me from the beginning to the end. There was, there was no moment I was like, yeah, I don't want to play this anymore. Never. I, I went out of my way to fight, to play that game. And it all started once that demo ended. As soon as that demo ended, I needed to have the game and play it, play it more. Uh, I I forget how many hours I put into it in in a a stupid amount, more than I should have. Not necessarily more than I should have, but more than I needed to. Uh, it could, it being an action RPG with you know quote unquote no no uh, discovery of anything, no open world, whatever, blah blah blah. Uh, I still wanted to see every bit of it, and I had a great time doing it. And if it wasn't for that demo, I probably wouldn't have done it. So I have to say the end of the the end of the Final Fantasy sixteen demo. Yeah, I've never had it an ending of a demo pull me into play that much more. A hundred percent. I had the same feeling as you in terms of, I think we messaged each other around the same time because we played the demo just about the same, same time. Yep. And that, that, that demo is what all games should do going forward for games that are, if, if when Atlas puts out persona six, they need to do the first two hours of that game because it takes a long time to get the game started, but it allows you to feel the story, the world, just like final fantasy 16 did. Um, and you get a little bit of combat. Um, I, I think all long RPGs should do that going forward. Um, but whatever chunk of the game just gets you into the first, because it's the first of three or four moments that drive you forward. Um, 
And just a peek behind the curtain, I'm literally throwing my body forward. <laughs> We're not on camera. Um, yeah, so 100%, I think all demos going forward should be this. And it shouldn't even be a question at this point. It costs you nothing to do it. Yeah, I mean, you got you have to at this point. There's no reason not to. And you're, you know, it's... Yeah, I mean... I mean, you can only help. You're not. You're not gonna. You're not gonna stop people from playing your game because of a demo. If anything, yeah. they're gonna. You're gonna get more people to play it. Yeah, and I um, what's it called? And I'll mend my same a little bit. It does cost to put out the demo. I know they have to, <laughs> have to all the work going into it. But what I mean is that I feel like it will save you money because it's not a vertical slice of the game. It is literally what you've already done, and you're going to put out in full. Yeah. So you're just cutting it off at a certain point. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was the first time we had a simpatico moment with a game that we were both lukewarm on. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, that game, I had zero expectations and I was, I was ready to not play it at all until I finished the demo. And I was like, yep, going to be stuck in this game for a hundred hours. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't, it's hard to describe what i felt like with that game because i i haven't had that feeling probably since the remake final fantasy 7 remake where they did the same thing and they did the same thing where i needed to i i needed to i needed to play the game i sacrificed sleep to play the game uh you know it's i don't i don't know how else to describe it anytime i i had a moment to play i was playing it so for my favorite gaming moment I would say it was probably during the Dead by Daylight Winter event. Um, and before I go into the story itself, the Dead by Daylight Winter event basically allowed you to do fun things like jump into snowmen. And you could hide or you can slide around the map as a snowman. Um, or you can go up to this pile of snow skulls, which are literally skull-shaped snowballs. And you could pick them up and then throw them at your teammates and the killer. They didn't really do much... Um, I would say like maybe for a split second kind of obscured your vision, but it was really just for fun. So anyway, for this particular game I was playing, I was actually playing solo, which is very rare for me. Um, and of course, I was on a not so great team of random people. And I was also going up against a very good killer playing as Wesker, who is one of the hardest killers for me to play outplay for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and that's when they're not good. I almost always lose to Weskers. Anyway... The game is a major struggle from the start because two of my teammates are basically just trying to mess around with the killer. Um, one of my teammates had a name similar to Wesker is my daddy. So, yeah. Um, and the killer wasn't having it. So they basically died really quickly, um, which eliminated two of us. The last person just gave up on the first hook before I could get to them, I guess because they just assumed the game was over. They turn into a bot, which gets taken out really quickly as well. So at this point, it's just me during endgame. And Wesker finds the hatch right away. So at this point, my chances of getting out are very slim because now I have to get to one of the exit gates and power it up before Wesker finds me. And Wesker is especially difficult in this situation because he can sprint around the map. So he can get from door to door very quickly. So I decided I was going to do my best. So I hid in a snowman until he checked my door twice. And then as soon as he left, I ran over the door and I started powering up the gate. And then all of a sudden, I'm like maybe almost 75% done with the gate. I see him in the distance sprinting at me. And I'm like, oh, this is it. 
I'm done. He's going to kill me. So I literally stopped. I stopped powering up the gate and I turned around and I just threw one of the snow skulls at him and it literally hit him straight in the face <laughs> and he stops in his tracks and just kind of like turns his head to the right and to the left and then looks at me and just backs up. <laughs> he does nothing. So I'm like, oh, he's actually going to let me leave now. So of course I, I finished powering up the gate and, you know, I step in once it opens and I turn around and look at him and he throws a snow, snow skull at me as well and then kind of just stands there like, go ahead. So he actually let me leave, which was shocking and hilarious. Um, I definitely did not expect to be saved by throwing a snowball at a killer, but I am very grateful they were added to the event because it made for a very fun end game experience for me. Yeah, so that leads us to, um, we're going to do our top three here. Um, going to be brief statements on it. We'll go back and forth. Um, if we have the same game, which I'm assuming we're going to have at least one or two of the same games up here, I think there's one of my games is definitely not on your list for 100% sure. I think well, we all yeah. have to figure out which one that is. I, I, I know uh, but, exactly. <laughs> one of my games is not on your list, so I, yeah, I can so. guarantee that. All right. Let's start off with my number three, uh, which is Sea of Stars. Okay. My number three is also Sea of Stars. <laughs> nice. Um, so I'll, I'll go in um, on mine without, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not, this is the one game we're not going to spoil. Um, and please don't spoil it in any discussion on this because I want time to see the rest of it. This game was such a great throwback uh, to the game, to the RPGs that I loved um, and went away from. As I, oh, as I said in this podcast, there was a moment in my life I became too cool for video games that the the bro part of my friends, um, because uh, little did you know I was on the athlete side of um, most of grade school and high school. Um, yeah, me too. And so, you know, it was, ooh, RPGs, oh, no. oh, I don't play those games, no. Give me Madden. Yeah, Madden. Um, so this brought me back to when I played Final Fantasy VI and tried to play Breath of Fire Three and played Final Fantasy Seven, you know, and eight, and then sort of fell off after that until, um, you know, I played 10 when I got to college, you know, when it was like, yeah, you don't fuck what people think, you know, mentality yeah. came in in college. Yep. Um, At that and, point, it's be who you are, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and this was perfect. It mixed everything from the games I played. Oh, Chrono Trigger, you know, from that era, the look, the story, the, the, the battle system. Um, just the annoying characters, um, but earnest and the, each, each location you go to has its own different story. Um, really kick-ass characters that you meet later on. Um, they're great reveals. Um, the fourth character you pick up is probably my favorite character in the game in terms of character. And, oh yeah, she's great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And then and her story's fantastic and you haven't even gotten to the end of it yet. Um, so, um, yeah, Sea of Stars is amazing. If you like RPGs from the 16-bit era, or even some of the PS1 ones, um, not necessarily, you know, there's some, you know, elements of Super Mario RPGs. So it's not like strict Final Fantasy turn-based. It's got a mixture of everything in there. I 100% say pick it up. Um, I, uh, question for you as I throw it over to you, Tom. Yes. Um, did you, was your original choice main character, did you go sun or moon? Sun. I was moon. <laughs> I have switched because I wanted to see if there was anything different. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it, I I just liked the idea. I I, I don't know. Uh, I liked the idea of a character with a sword. Go oh, figure. Hundred percent, Tom. <laughs> you could have predicted which one of us went with which. Yeah. From that, it's it's our personalities <laughs> choosing each side. Yeah. Um. Besides the fact that I always like. Um, if you give me a kick-ass female character, I am going to play a kick-ass female character in a game. Um, it was my only downside to, um, you know, needing to play the main character in Hi-Fi Rush because there were two kick-ass female characters in that <laughs> game and I could not play them. Um, but yeah, yeah, the that choice in the beginning, um, which I don't think has any real bearing or anything that I could find. Uh, you can switch characters at any point, so I don't think it makes any bit of difference. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I can't even, couldn't even tell if it had anything to do with an ending or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, so I know we talked about it a lot in the beginning here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts um, I mean, it, before we move on? Like you said, it, it just encapsulates every everything everything that I like about a Japanese RPG it put into this game, and it it's almost it's almost a perfect game for me. For me myself, you know, because um, it's got great visuals, great battle system, great music, uh, great story, great characters. So you know, it, it and being a Japanese RPG, turn-based RPG, it just it just hits all the right all the right notes. Yeah, it's 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 as perfect as you can get um, that without having like the backing of you know the original um, you know creators of those games in the nineties. Um, yep. backing it and it's it's fantastic um so moving on to number two uh let's do a little snake and i'll let you go first uh so number two for me is final fantasy 16 all right uh, um, it would make it may come as a surprise that it's number two and not number one but i will get to that uh and like i like i mentioned previously this game i could not put it down i could not there was something in this game that made me want to pick it up and play it and get I don't know what if it was the the Pokemon aspect of gathering all the all the powers or or what or I don't know it there was just something about it the music every time that that battle theme started I got pumped every time it was so good and then and then you get to the kaiju battles and you know it I just can't ex- express how like blown away I was by that and a lot of people say oh it's just showy garbage and it doesn't mean anything but it was awesome i thought it was gonna be stupid too when i saw it in the previews i thought it was gonna be so dumb but i loved it i loved every second of it and if you're not a fan of side quests you're not gonna like this game yes you pretty much have forced side quest which i'm a person that's going to do the side quest anyway so i it doesn't bother me at all it didn't bother yeah. me in the slightest yeah and um yeah i've said a lot of what the entire thing on stream um you'll hear more of my thoughts in the video (laughs) because my number two is hi-fi rush um for the same reasons as tom i have never been and and this is legitimately true i have never been grabbed by a shadow drop game since rocket league um and i don't even know if that was shadow drop rocket League, but it was a game that i got well rocket league was a game that nobody knew about yeah nobody knew what it was and then and, all of a sudden, it was the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Hi-Fi Rush is the same thing. Like, I got it, and I felt like I was the only one that knew about it while I was playing. I'm, <laughs> you so, know? I'm so happy you you told me to play it, because yeah. it's one of my favorite games of the year, and you'll hear my thoughts in the video. video. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I, as I said earlier, um, great cast, fantastic cast. I, it was the first game, and I think, to be honest, Tom, it led me to do what I would like to do for the streaming uh, or even YouTube videos is I feel that I want to play through some newer games on here, you know, that aren't like close to my heart games. Um, like I'm probably not going to play Re- Rebirth for, for Tom's sake, to be honest. Um, well, see, and now I, w- you... I probably won't play Persona 3 on here. So you might be able to play Rebirth just because I played Final Fantasy 16 faster than you played Final Fantasy. <laughs> True. I have a I have a yeah. feeling it's gonna be the same. So you might be able to do it if you want to. Yeah. But that I, I feel that, you know, I'll you know, play some newer games that are out there, try to budget it correctly. You know, maybe we get one game a month or something like that going forward, whether it's YouTube let's plays or, you know, streaming. Um maybe I'll maybe we'll do a pilot system where I, you know, stream the first episode of the things if people like it, then it becomes a series, you know. And Hi-Fi Rush was the one that got me hooked into thinking to do that. Um, funny part, as you all know, um, I'm just learning how capture cards and things work, apparently. Um, <laughs> and uh, I played that entire game through the preview window on OBS. Impressed. Which is it's very, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> Fun part is, as Tom can probably already guess, I am trash at the game outside of the OBS preview window. It was real bad when I tried to play it on my own outside of it. But I got the timing down. It's sort of how I played most of Super Mario RPG through the preview window and sort of got a... It engaged your timing on that. It it became a feel of like, all right, now. You know, even though it's not what I was seeing, it was trusting, you know, what I've seen before. Um, But yeah, I really want to play the post-game content in it. I'm trash at it, so I probably won't. But, you know, game is fantastic. I played I played it with streamer mode on, and those songs were fantastic. I haven't played it with the licensed music at all. Um, Honestly, so, you're not missing a whole lot. Yeah. Really, the only thing you're missing is during boss battles. Otherwise, most of the most of the music in the game is um is original. It's not yeah. it's not licensed. So I, I don't think you missed too much if you would want to go back and play. Like I said, I, yeah. I think you might want to go back and play like the first two bosses just to get a uh, a, a handle Rekka. on what, what it's like. Rekka, one of my favorite bosses of all time. <laughs> Rekka um, a good one. That's a good first boss. Yeah, that the ca- that character is fan is I've been using fantastic so much in this podcast, but that that character is is fantastic, and Corsica is probably the next my next favorite boss battle, sort of. Um, um, cause she's the one that's the, becomes the fighting game, right? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was my second favorite boss battle, but yeah, the, the game's amazing. Story's amazing. Um, the way they put everything together and poor seat of the game and how that occurs was very, very smart. Um, so yeah, Hi-Fi Rush, number two. Um, and I will go number one since we're doing Snake and I definitely noticed it's not Tom's number one. Um, <laughs> Alan Wake 2 is a marvel of a video game. It is what they do to connect the world of two games for sure. In oh, You could say three. No, no, it's going to be more than that, Tom. Two games for sure in Alan Wake and Control. 100% connected. 
you cannot doubt it, the literal company you work for in control is in Alan Wake 2 um, and plastered all over the place. But they find a way to also get maybe Quantum Break is part of the world, but they can't really say it is because Microsoft owns it and not Remedy. So we'll have Sean Ashmore show up as another character who is having dreams about being in other dimensions and worlds and seeing other hymns around. Oh, could that be Jack Joyce from Quantum Break? Is one of the hymns that he's seeing? Who knows? You can have Sam Lake show up as Alex Casey, hard-boiled detective that's great at doing monologues in a really deep, smoky voice. Couldn't be anybody else that's ever been in video games. No, um, nobody at else. All? No, nope, couldn't, no, <laughs> couldn't, have been, couldn't be Max Payne. He does the Max Payne face in the game as well. Um, Which when is he's, great. I, I, love that, I love that he does that in the it's, game. It's so good. Um, and the cleverness in the way they connect Two games that they own and two games they don't own um, and make it all seem a story. Like there's a character called Warlandor who seems to be the character that is connected to every game um, in some way. He is essentially, you know, the door between, you know, universes, realms, dimensions, whatever you want to say. It's essentially the character they're setting up and he is 100% 100% for sure, um, the character from Quantum Break, whose name is Mr. Hatch. Door Hatch, okay. Yeah, who was played by Lance Riddick, who, R.I.P., Lance Riddick. Um, so the way that I know 100% for sure, or I should say 100%, but they, a very few people would catch this. When you first see, um, in this first one scene with Door, you just see his silhouette, and his silhouette looks exactly like Lance Reddick. And the actor they got has close enough features, face-wise and ear-wise, to be Lance Reddick. When you just turn the lights out on him and just, you know, his shadow. And I'm like, that is a very clever way to say to people that have played Conan Break and know what Lance Reddick looks like to go, yes, this is the same character. And I think I'm going longer here than I actually do in the video. Um, because I was trying to keep the video watchable, but I will talk to anybody about this game. It it makes me become uh, a Charlie from It's Always Sunny, and it's my Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> um, it it is so good in that sense. The combat is such a strange combat system. It's a lot better in this game than it is in Alan Wake One. Um, but well, if the anybody wants, I mean, Alan Wake One is non-existent. Yeah, it's like you shine the flashlight and then you shoot the thing once you break the shield, essentially. It's Alka. This, they up it a little bit more. I will say, if you have any interest in this game at all, there is zero reason outside of if you want to brag for some gamer points or whatever, because there's not even a trophy attached to it. There is zero reason to not just play this game on story mode. Oh, yeah, just blow through it. Zero percent. Because 90% of the best parts of this game is the story and not the combat. And all the puzzles you do that have pieces of story to them. There's this whole nursery rhyme thing that's amazing. There's this crazy girl called Rose who thinks that Alan's writing to her in clouds um, that helps you out. And she's from the first game, too. Um, A waitress at a diner. And it's just, it's magnificent. Um, The mind place thing, which is the way um, sort of the saga character, the FBI agent, puts things together. 
Um, I wish that would have been a little more deduction on your end than just putting things on a wall and then she explains it. Um, but alas, it didn't need it. Um, I think the number one thing before we move on to your game, Tom, mm-hmm. is that the best choice Remedy made, because by the way, they timelined it. Basically, Alan Wake 1 takes place in 2010 when Alan Wake was released, and this game takes place in 2023. So that means that they knew they were releasing this game in 2023 when they recorded the voice lines. Like, they would have been shit out of luck if they delayed it. (laughs) Uh, Because it wouldn't have matched up. Because the whole reason the dates and all match up is because, you know, they they matched it to the release date of the original game. Um, Alas. But the number one thing they did was by having the Saga character. Saga knows zero about anything going on. Alan, the lake, that's an ocean, um, the shadows, the cult, town, you know, um, the Federal Bureau of Control, you know, all that stuff. She knows zero about that, which the Federal Bureau of Control thing is kind of a stretch with how good of a detective Saga is. Mm hmm. Um, but it helps like teach the player the game, but the twist they put on her character by the midway point, um, when you do the old gods chapter is the perfect way to slowly, cause you can play Alan and Saga story in any order you want. You can flip back and forth. You can play one and then play the other, um, before they come together. Um, they sort of like slip you in like, okay, here's the story. Here's what's going on. It's just getting a little weirder little weirder. Everybody in town knows you, but you don't living here. Why did they know you? Why did they know your daughter? Why did they think your daughter's dead? And it slowly but surely slides you into that over a couple chapters. Um, and it brings new players in to kind of get into their world. And it freaks out players like myself who is like, holy, what's this connected to? Is this anything to do with this? What about the upside down triangles? Uh, that's Mirror Peak that has the two mountains that look at this. Is that like controls triangles? And you start freaking out. Um, <laughs> conspiracy wise game's amazing and the final draft like I said might be the best DLC I've played since probably Minerva's Den from Mass Effect Wow! and and I don't even know if it's a DLC it's just new game plus but they add so much to it story wise um, that you have to play through it and it's essentially a free deal so highly recommend Alan Wake 2 even if you haven't played Alan Wake 1 I said this again I was like play it Saga character introduces you to the world. I was like, you read everything anyway in games. You will get the story by doing that. Um, I recommend everybody needs to play this. And I, it makes me... They haven't even announced they're doing a Control 2, but I can't wait for Control 2. It's... Uh, I, I, may, I, may get, I may have to give Control 2 a, a shot. Just because yeah. I, I got pretty far into Control, and I just gave up on it. So we'll see. The good thing about Control is it's not as much jump scare. You will not like Alan so, no, I have no, I have zero interest in Alan Wake. But if anybody is okay with jump scares and stuff like that, sometimes they do it for absolutely no reason. And I've yelled "fuck" way too many times out loud in an al- apartment alone um, <laughs> when it has happened. Um, but yeah, that's my number one with a bullet. Um, as I explained in the video, and I'll explain here, just because if you're wondering where other games are, games two through seven practically changed weekly. You can ask me next week. And some some of this some of these things may change, but the thing that was absolutely number one was Alan Wake, without question. Yep. Alan Wake two, actually. I mean, Alan Wake's pretty. I'm with you. I, I I had a very hard time coming up with this list. 
But you're number one with your number one question, right? No, number one and number two flip-flopped a couple of times, but number one for me is Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Great game. Probably. Great game. Yeah. I, I can't believe that I'm the only one on this podcast that played it. Well, <laughs> it's a 2D platformer, Tom. I know. You're I got to work my way into it. <laughs> Wait for a sale and pick it up, Mark. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, it's not sale it's, on a first party Nintendo game, Tom. It'll happen one of these days. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Super Mario Wonder. Wow. What what can I say? It, it how can you continue to iterate on a 2D platformer? You would think like, oh, it, they've done everything they can do. Nope. Nope. They uh they continue to do others. It's amazing. Uh just the mere the mere like fever dream acid trip that is this game. I can't even I can't even describe what it's like uh, when you pick up these wonder flowers. Like it's just wild the things that happen, and anything can happen. It it's hard to describe what what to expect because you can't really expect it. Like at the end of this game, it becomes a rhythm game out of nowhere. All of a sudden, you're you're in rhythm game territory, uh, and it just it it's just so good. It's beautiful. Uh, the worlds are great. The fact that they're not in the Mushroom Kingdom is makes gives you a whole a whole slew of things you can do. It's the Flower Kingdom, which is why everything's different in this. Um, you're not rescuing Peach, which is like a first. It, uh, Bowser, <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna spoil it here. Bowser turns into a castle. Bowser becomes the castle that you have to that you have to go to to and defeat. <laughs> it's yeah. just wild. It's such a weird game and it's so it it's so refreshing and it was another game that, you know, I had to pick it up and the fact that it was on the Switch made it that much b- better because I could play anywhere anytime that I wanted to. Uh it just kept me coming back and it's the first Mario game that I've beaten I think since like Super Mario World or Super Mario 3. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. It's been that long since I've beaten a 2D Mario game. And the best part about it, Tom, is that you wouldn't think it, but I watched Kyle Bossman play this entire game. So, you know, it's like a 2D Mario game, you would sit down and watch someone stream it. It's yeah. it's ridiculous, and it's, it's, it's amazing just to watch. It is, it, I feel it's going to be, and you, you have experience with this to let me know if it's going to eventually happen for you. I feel like this is a game that you can play with a young kid around and get them into video games. Yeah, I I 100% agree and I'm hoping it'll be a gateway. I would like to, I would like to start her at the beginning personally, but I don't I don't know if I'm going to get to do that. Uh, um, no, I, I'm going to give you some advice here even though I'm not a parent, but I am technically I'm a girl uncle. Um and have nurtured one as best I could. You just have to find the gateway. Um, to get them yeah. in, and then see if you can sort of start integrating the, you know, older games yeah. um, into it. But you just have to find that one game. Like, for my niece, it was Odyssey. Super Mario Odyssey. She beat it as a seven-year-old. Um, or I should say 80% of it. Uh, her dad took some of the tougher bosses, but she beat the final boss by herself. Still impressive. Um, yeah. And that's just because young brains are amazing, and she played that game so much that she just got good enough to to beat that final boss despite her age you know um i hope peyton's that way um for you but i think wonder is is going to be that game for so many people 
And then you just have to take a deep breath. Once they get friends and start playing Roblox, <laughs> you just need to go. Okay, this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually, um, she'll start coming around. Like, I have, I have Kitty Ashcat. I bought her the Avatar game. I got her playing some console gaming again. She's playing Fortnite with her sister. And I'm like, all right, we're getting her off the Roblox here. <laughs> Show her what real video games. I shouldn't say. Roblox is fucking amazing for what it is. Um, it's just, it, it's so shallow in a lot of places in terms of what it does. Um, yeah. But for what it is, it's a great first video game for kids. But, you know, you just got to be patient. And, you know, she's Five Nights at Freddy's, you know, sort of okay, playing more. You know, you're not using that computer to, that I built you to play Roblox <laughs> with constantly. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think Wonder is this year's, because I think every year there's one game that's a get your, it can get your kids into video games. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think this is definitely a gateway for a lot of parents to get their kids to, to enjoy video. So. Yeah, um, and I don't know. I my personal thing I want to do. Um, now that we're done, I want to I want to be completely surprised by Jen's list when I put the video together. Okay. Um, and um, because I don't want to just say it without her being here to talk about. It. You know what I, I mean? That's, I think that's perfectly okay. Yeah. I don't. And think if next week she wants to come on and and talk about it like we did just for. A little bit can, but I don't want to, you know, steal her thunder from that. I think um, her video is going to be amazing. Um, now that I um, non-video game thing. Now that I realize that um, today is a national holiday, which I did not realize was coming up <laughs> until I looked at my work calendar yesterday. This is being recorded on Friday. Um, I have a full day <laughs> to edit video that I was not anticipating. Having. Um, oh, it's nice so, when you when so. you have that magical day off that you didn't know about, yeah, because I I think the next one's going to be I'm not going to realize when President's Day is, and all of a sudden I'm going to have a three day weekend <laughs> out of nowhere. Unfortunately, I think that's the week before it should be. God damn it! Um, <laughs> it is. It is the week. But yeah, yeah. So you're going to get um, the way the schedule works. Just to finish it out here, um, this is going to be released on Monday, um, January fifteenth. Um, and then the video will be released Monday, uh, January 22nd, all of our videos. Um, I, I am still deciding, I think we should just release them all at once, um, instead of spacing them out because I, I honestly don't know if there's, if we have enough of an audience yet that spacing out it will make much of a difference to the views, to be completely honest, um, for it, um, you know, and I haven't even decided maybe I'll even mix it into one video and go crazy with editing. Um, Honestly, I figured that's what you were going to do. I thought yeah. you were, I, I thought that's what we were going with was one long video. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that would be fine. Yeah. I may video. end up doing that. Um, it may just be one after the other and mixed in because that might be a little too much above my pay grade in terms of video editing. Um, but I'll see. I might be able to do it going back and forth. Um, I have faith. I have faith in you, Mark. But yeah, so worst case scenario, I guess for you guys, is that you'll get three different videos to watch us. So if you hate one of us, um, you won't have to watch their video. Um, 
yeah. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Um, mine will obviously be the longest because I have 10. Uh, Tom has seven or eight, I believe, and I think Jen's five, four or five. I think I cut uh, mine down to five just so I had, okay. I was even with Jen. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and mine are 10 because um, I'm a crazy person. And I had originally just planned on just releasing my video because I want to talk about all 10 of my games and on a video. Um, but then I thought about it and I said, we all should do it. But yeah. So without further ado, thank you so much for listening. Um, we will be, um, Mark, we're not done yet. No, I know. I know. Let me finish. <laughs> I um, thought you were signing off. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Thank you all for listening. It's been a long one so far, <laughs> but we still have our, your favorite segment. Um, Retro Roulette. So Tom, what did we play like a year and a half ago? Yeah, it feels like feels like forever at this point. Uh, We played Top Gear for the Super Nintendo, uh, a Mode Seven ish racing game. Um, And I think I'd mentioned it on stream, but Horizon Chase Turbo is kind of a spiritual successor to this. So if you've played Horizon Chase Turbo on the Switch or on Steam. Uh, you kind of have an idea of what we're what we what we played here. So, Mark, where are yeah. you coming from with Top Gear? I had a ball with this game. Um, this is right up my alley. Again, probably the road rash stuff um, of this era of racing games um, can just capture my attention for way longer than it probably should. Uh, to be completely honest, um, because I'm not very good at them. Uh, but the be- I I love the pit system in this game. Um, it's great. Yeah. I I think it's such a cool concept. I love playing the NASCAR games when you were able to pit. Um, I haven't played those kind of terrible Mario Andretti F1 games for the Sega Genesis. Um, <laughs> and that's a knowing glass from Tom about those games. Um, and this game, I was like, why didn't I ever play this game? I played all those shitty games, uh, probably because I was a dumb kid. And so, ooh, Mario Andretti, he's the guy I see on, was it Memorial Day? Um, in the Indy 500, I'll play his game. Um, but yeah, I had a ball with this game. Um, it, it, I don't want to make the statement here, but I think I will. I think I'll take the Mark hot take here, not hot take for the whole thing. I think this may be my favorite type of this mode seven game. Okay. You know, um, in terms of racing, um, I, you know, for the longest time, you know, you have your outruns and, you know, all the other stuff that came before things you can play in Shenmue and, you know, Yakuza and all that. But I think this is much better put together. Um, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel as fluky uh, when you win or lose. It feels like you made the mistake or you did the right thing to get your place. And yeah. I feel the fairness of that is what makes this game good. Um, it's not great. It's probably a 7 out of 10. You know, in terms of game, there's there's issues. Trying to get into the pits is kind of terrible. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. And, it, take, it takes quite a bit of uh, knowledge of where it is, yeah, to to get in there. And at points, the guy you're racing against, because it's always split screen, uh, tends to it feels like there's some rubber banding involved, which is which is not not always fun. For um, sure. But yeah. I don't know why I never played this game before. I'm glad that I'm going to be able to keep playing it on a 55 inch TV out there because I'm I'm not the I would love to get a CRT. I just don't have the room here, but it's just amazing having <laughs> that game blowing up um, on the screen. But uh, yeah, the I I am glad that 
we got this game. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's about all. Um, Tom, do you have any extra thoughts, or maybe just reiterate um, your thoughts and history on it, um, since it's been a while since the actual stream of this game? Yeah, I mean, this this was um, a favorite of mine as a kid, even though I didn't own a, a Super Nintendo. It was one of those games that you went to a friend's house, and it was always like the first one you loaded up. Uh, it has great music. Uh, it's something, and again, they it, it's so good that they continue to use it today in in uh, Horizon Chase Turbo, which is cool. Uh, but I like that it, there is a lot of customization you can do. There's four different cars. You can have different different controller setups, which is something that you don't really see in games back then. You you might get one or two different controller configurations, but there was like six. There was like a left-handed configuration. They had all kinds of stuff. All kinds of weird stuff that you wouldn't expect. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I feel like it was a bit of ahead of its time. And it was, it, it, it was a challenge, but it wasn't so much of a challenge that it made you want to like throw a controller. Yeah. It was a good challenge. Exactly. And back then that was few and far between. Yeah. Usually it was too hard or too easy. There was not a whole lot of in between, but yeah. Um, overall. I think anybody who is interested in mode seven style games should check that out. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And yeah, it's, if you're into retro stuff, it this this game should get more play than it does. Uh, so Tom, I, I'll let you I, off. Uh, well, go ahead. I would, I would venture to call it a hidden gem. Yep. Yep. We, we, we unearthed a hidden gem <laughs> we have done before. Um, so Tom, uh, what is your score for I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five. It's a seven. Yeah. Um. It's you know it's got things that could be better, but it overall it's solid. I would. I would. I would have not been upset to to get this game on Christmas or my birthday. That I, I would have. I would have played the hell out of it. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, I probably gave away what my score was a little earlier um, during my section, but I am a three and a half out of five as well because one of the most 7 out of 10 um, racing games I've played. Um, and it it will keep you entertained for a few hours, and then you can put it down. And while it doesn't have a pull to make you come back like the next day, um, but when you get that thought, it's like, hey, why don't I play Top Gear? You know, and you go, and you'll have two hours or more of fun with it. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's one of those, those type of games from that era. And 100% recommend it to anyone. Uh, all right, so Tom, yes, let's spin that wheel. Well, Tom, we got another NES game, which I love because you know we can get hidden gems or we can get Yonoid. Um, <laughs> but I feel this one will be especially music to the ears of one of our listeners. I what game agree. did we get? We are playing Batman Return of the Joker for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, Batman, notoriously hard game that kind of makes no sense <laughs> if you played the original. I believe this is a sequel to it or like some kind of offshoot. Obviously, I'm not going, oh, this is another game, you know. But I think it's, I think it's sort of, um, you know, during that time around Batman Returns in 1989, uh, you know, uh, that they were trying to do what they could in terms of the license out there so looking forward to it never actually played it um heard about it um uh, just from 
you know, osmosis of people talking about, you know, terrible licensed uh, games. They talk about all the Batman games on NES. So um, hopefully it is not Uncanny X-Men. Oh, I, ca- uh, I hope not. <laughs> I so, hope God it's not. So we will um, stream it tonight over on twitch.tv slash gamevaultpod. Um, and hopefully you can join us there. Uh, Tom, it's been another fun episode. Long one. Um, we haven't done one of these in a while. Uh, but it was our part one of our game game of the year. Um, part two, as we mentioned, will be on YouTube um, with all of our opinions um, with video behind it so that you can get some clips of the game. So be sure to go check us out. Um, just search for Gamefall Pod on YouTube um, and hit subscribe. Hit the notification because more videos will be coming to that channel um, so you know when things will pop up on there. Uh, and uh, we hope um, that... Those of you out there in, in the U.S., um, enjoyed your uh, day off today for Martin Luther King Day. Um, maybe you volunteered um, and did something, and you were listening to us the whole time you were doing it. And we appreciate that. Uh, thank you, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.